time to make the crunch time plays. Now your host, Bennett Ganey. Crunch, 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 please. This is Pat Smith from Three Man Front, and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tara Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, it's Jim Dunaway from the next round, and when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, always look for crunch time play. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hopping back into Crunch Time Plays today. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thanks so much. Back for another Crunch Time recap, recapping everything that happened in week nine of college football. I know we're a little bit late uh, doing the recap, but better late than never is what uh, is what we like to say around here. So thank you so much for everybody that for all the support of the show are up over 200 percent again in in podcast feed numbers so really appreciate that and and make sure you're subscribed on youtube apple Podcasts, and spotify still 95 percent of our viewers on youtube still aren't subscribed so definitely ask you're here anyway it's absolutely free so you might as well hit that subscribe button hit the like button as well and then subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well if you're listening to us on the podcast feed. But but thank you so much for doing that. As I've been saying the last couple shows, our gates are wide open to you, the college football fan. We're never going to charge for this show. Any major announcement that we make about this show is definitely not going to be that we're starting to charge for it. So definitely appreciate everybody that has subscribed so far and, and to help us do what we want to do here on Crunch Time Plays and help us keep the show free. Just go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well. It's absolutely free to do that for now. And and it's always going to be free to do that. So never going to charge for it. And really just appreciate everybody doing that. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the week nine crunch time recap. Michigan State beats Michigan. They storm back to defeat Michigan 37-33. That is the game that I want to start off with. What a win for Mel Tucker and his team coming back from down 30 to 14 as they outscore Michigan 23 to 3 coming down the coming down the stretch in crunch time of the game and what an atmosphere for college football it was in East Lansing on Saturday I have to think that the powers that be down in Baton Rouge Louisiana were paying close attention as well as Mel Tucker certainly a candidate for that LSU job that's been circulating around but Can't discuss anything in this game without discussing Kenneth Walker. First, 23 carries for 197 yards, averaging 8.6 yards per carry. So much Heisman talk for Walker is going to be coming up now after this game, plus a couple additional opportunities left in the regular season with Ohio State and Penn State still left. So certainly plenty of opportunities for Kenneth Walker to start being at the forefront of that Heisman race as well certainly a candidate to be a finalist in new york come december but the defense made the play late with the interception to seal the game and quavaris crouch transfer from tennessee i labeled him as a crunch time player last week during the preview and he led the team in tackles and he laid the lumber on the michigan punter on that botched snap on the botched punt he laid the lumber on the michigan punter just short of the first down marker to take it over on downs there as well. So 
Phase one of the Big Ten East gauntlet is now complete for Michigan State. And now they have Purdue, Maryland, Ohio State, and Penn State left. And everything is going to sort itself out. If you take care of business, if you keep winning, you're going to find yourself in that Big Ten championship game. You're going to find yourself in the college football playoff a little bit farther down the road until we get there. But for right now, huge congrats to Mel Tucker and that team. For Michigan, on the other side, there's so many positive things that you can take from this game. Cade McNamara played absolutely out of his mind on Saturday, 383 yards and two touchdowns. The only mistake was obviously that interception that closed out the win for the Spartans. They had wide receivers step up. Andrew Anthony was the main guy, six catches for 155 yards. You know, one of the crunch time questions that I hit on in the preview for this game was about Michigan airing it out on first and second down, and they actually did that a good bit. But what ultimately killed them in the game was struggling against the pace that Michigan State played with on offense. But they've, they've struggled with that for the better part of the year. That's how Kenneth Walker was able to get a couple of those touchdowns really up in the pace, up in the tempo. Michigan was unable to get set. And, and the second thing about that, which about the loss is – I have loved how they've handled J.J. McCarthy going into this game. It's never looked to me uh, like what we would call a, a quarterback competition or a quarterback controversy, if you will. It look, it's looked like a true wildcat package for McCarthy so far. And, and Jim Harbaugh and the staff, they managed him very well during the game whenever they were ahead in the game. He threw the touchdown pass to Anthony. But after that first fumble – in the fourth quarter that went out of bounds as as great as McNamara was playing. They put McCarthy back in. He loses the fumble uh, the next time he gets in the game. And just think that moment in the game just may have gotten too big for him as a freshman, especially given how well Cade McNamara was playing uh, at the time. It felt like after he had already fumbled the ball out of bounds that he didn't need to get another opportunity in the game. So it just kind of felt like that moment was – was too big for him. So I didn't like the way that the Jim Harbaugh and that staff um, kind of handled him as they went down in the crunch time of the game. So ultimately those were the couple things that they really cost Michigan in the game. But there's so many positives that you can take away moving forward. And and if you're Michigan, the defensive defensive mistakes are certainly correctable going forward. So and the, if the offense keeps playing the way that it did on Saturday. Definitely excited to see how both of these teams uh, finish out the Big Ten East uh, round-robin gauntlet the next few weeks because it's certainly going to be a real treat to see that. All right, moving on to the other half of the Big Ten East gauntlet that took place on Saturday. Ohio State knocks off Penn State 33-24. to Now, there's some people out there that are discrediting, they're discounting this win for Ohio State, and I know Penn State, had two losses coming in, but you know, if we would have been watching the game together on Saturday night and you knew nothing about what Penn state has done so far up to that point in the season, I would venture to say that you would have believed me if I told you they were undefeated. And obviously I know you have to count the two losses, but the, that version of Penn state that we saw on Saturday night against Ohio state during the game, obviously not afterwards because they lost it, but during the game, was undefeated because if they would if they would have had a healthy Sean Clifford on the field, he was healthy 
in that Ohio State game this past Saturday night. So that that version of the Penn State team was uh, undefeated with Sean Clifford fully healthy back at quarterback because if he hadn't gotten hurt in the Iowa game, they would have won. And if he doesn't get hurt in that Iowa game, then he's fully healthy against Illinois. And he's 100%. So they obviously would have won those two games. So it definitely felt like, even though Penn State had two losses during the game, to me it felt like they were still undefeated because they had a healthy Sean Clifford on the field. But another solid workmanlike performance from C.J. Stroud for Ohio State, Trayvon Henderson who continues to shine as a freshman, and then you have Olave, you have Wilson, you have Smith and Jigba on the outside at wide receiver who are the best trio in the country in in my mind and and had a defensive touchdown as well the the secondary has been what is the been the key for ohio state struggling so far on defense but a defensive touchdown on the scoop and score by the defensive line for the buckeyes and they only allowed a they only allowed 1.1 yards a carry uh, in the penn state run game so uh, Incredible, incredible night for the Ohio State front seven. You know, where they where they continue to be vulnerable is in that secondary, just as I mentioned a couple moments ago. And so that's the crunch time question for the Buckeyes going forward in November is how much can this secondary improve? But the offense is certainly not going to be a problem. And if you can find some incremental improvement over these next few weeks from the secondary get those wins that you need, get to that Big Ten championship game. And if you win it, you're going to be in the playoff and and you're going to have the opportunity to to win a national championship. So the, the offense, it continues to be the story for Ohio State. They scored very nicely on that great great Penn State defense. Obviously, you add the, the scoop and score uh, in there as well. So 26 offensive points for Ohio State and then the then the seven on the scoop and score, but this offense can continue to score. And if the secondary can come along, um, they're going to just going to rack up more wins in the book uh, going forward. So congrats to Ryan day. Congrats to Ohio state. Another win in the books for them. And moving on now to the sec, another game that we did a preview for last week, Auburn, they wear down Ole Miss 31 to 20. Of start with Ole Miss first, a valiant, valiant effort by Matt Corral and that Ole Miss team, despite all the injuries, even to Corral during the game, which thankfully wasn't the nightmare that we all thought it may be watching the game live. Thought he might have done some some serious damage to that ankle. He was able to come back in. So certainly thankful that that he was able to come back in because it certainly looked a lot worse uh, watching the game live than it than it ultimately was. So how about the guts on that guy, by the way? You know, if I'm if I'm an NFL GM and I'm an NFL head coach in April, I want that guy on my team. He's going to be a first-round pick, and he is everything that you want in a leader, and that was well-documented in his comments after the game, accepting the responsibility for the loss. But, Matt, man, I'm here to tell you, you don't have anything to be ashamed of, man. And – I'm so looking forward to to watching you the rest of the way this season and to your NFL career as well. So tip of the cap to you, number two of Ole Miss, because you deserve it. 
and you deserve all the success uh, that's going to come your way throughout the rest of the these four games into the bowl game and and after the season as well as you move on to your NFL career. So you deserve it. And uh, congrats to you for the incredible performance that you've had not only this year but throughout your entire career, especially last year and this year at Ole Miss. But now for Ole Miss on the field, there's a couple things I want to hit on. I don't obviously don't like questioning coaches because I'm not qualified to be a college football head coach, but certainly thought that Lane Kiffin should have taken the points there late in the game down 31 to 20. Uh, you need two scores anyway. Your defense had really turned it around in the second half, and and Caden Costa was was two for two on field goals on the night up to that point. I mean, can't really blame Matt Lindsay over there on the sideline holding that analytics book with that perplexed look on his face. And and listen, I love the analytics. I love love studying them. Love reading about them in the game. And hindsight is always going to be twenty twenty when you're talking about things like this. But at some point. I just think that the feel for the game has to has to take over, and the field goal is how I would have played it there. And, and you know, you may or may not agree, so, but that's just the way I feel about it. And, uh, again, I love the analytics, but I know at some point when you're thinking about the game, how how well the defense had turned it around, and, and you certainly had to think that – you certainly had no reason to believe that the Caden Costa was going to miss that, that field goal if he would have tried it either still would have needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion as that field goal only would have made it 31-23, to 23, but you had to have two scores anyway. And so on fourth down there, I just would have taken the points. And you may or may not agree, and, and hindsight's always going to be 20-20, obviously, but, but that's just the way I feel about it. And the second thing that I want to hit on an Ole Miss on the field is something that's kind of been going on the last few games, but is, I know this is a question that, that fans are asking about as well, and we always want to talk about personnel decisions in games. And and that's the, kind of the, along the lines of the question I'm going to ask as well is, you know, it's, it's basically a really simple question is, is why isn't Snoop Connor touching the ball more for Ole Miss offensively? No, in the three-win three SEC stretch, that was Arkansas – Tennessee and LSU, just for example, Snoop Connor touched the ball 45 times and made a tremendous impact in the game. And the two games Ole Miss has lost in the SEC, Alabama and Auburn, he's only touched it 16 times. So he's a guy that makes an impact every time he touches the football this year. And I feel like he really does need to be on the field a lot more for Ole Miss in the final four games of the regular season. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, how Lane Kiffin and that offensive staff, how Jeff Webby and those guys handle him the rest of the way because I really feel like he needs to be on the field a lot more, and especially you know, as, as much of an emphasis as you had to put on the run game on Saturday night, especially against Auburn. I would have loved to see uh, Snoop Connor touch the ball a lot, a lot more times. Uh, on Saturday night certainly would have would have made me feel definitely would have made me feel better if, if I were an Ole Miss fan and I know Ole Miss fans out there you're probably thinking the same thing but now on to Auburn they still control their own destiny in the SEC West and what a game of complimentary football it was for the Tigers the first half featured Tank Bigsby 
running wild on the Ole Miss defense, receivers catching all their targets from Bo Nix, who's really playing his best football right now. Mike Bobo's calling plays an extremely high level right now, especially in the red zone. I've loved when they get in the red zone and, they, and they've run Bo Nix. They featured it uh, against Arkansas a couple weeks ago down in the red zone, and they featured it again down in the red zone on Saturday night. So I love that, that play call of, of Bo Nix keeping the football there because he is playing – his best football right now, and Mike Bobo is calling those plays an extremely high level, especially in the red zone. And on the first couple of the drives of the game and the whole second half, it was the defense of Auburn that stepped up to the plate, especially Zacoby McLean. He's a crunch time player for me this week. We'll get into the crunch time players a little bit later, but spoiler alert, Zacoby McLean is a crunch time player for me this week. And I mentioned the crunch time player matchup for both teams going into the game when we did the crunch time preview would be those linebackers for both teams would be Chance Campbell for Ole Miss would be, would be Zacoby McLean and, and Owen Papo who came back for Auburn, especially in the run game. Cause both of those uh, teams want to run the football. And so the linebackers in space in passing situations and coming up and, and hitting the running back in the hole, on those running situations. So definitely was looking at that crunch time player matchup with those linebackers. But And McLean had a whale of a game, and, and getting Owen Papo back for Auburn was huge as well. And now, if you're Auburn, you have all the momentum in the world right now heading into College Station this Saturday for the highly anticipated matchup with Texas A&M. Incremental improvement is what you love to see from a first-year head coach. And Auburn has vastly improved throughout every game this year, especially the last few weeks. And this program under Brian Harson now, the program that he is building right now is certainly special, certainly a great culture, a great atmosphere that he has brought to Auburn in his first year. Now, does that guarantee you wins? Of course not. But it's great for recruiting right now, and they're going to squeeze – all that they can out of this recruiting orange that they can from this win, especially with the big recruiting weekend that they had on campus during this game. And it's great for recruiting right now. And as we take a dive into the early signing period next month, and if you can beat Texas A&M this Saturday, then all eyes are going to look to the Iron Bowl. And that could be the SEC West championship game where the last two times Alabama has been to the Plains, they've lost. So don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but just going to go ahead and toss that out there and we'll see if it sticks. Again, Auburn controlling their own destiny in the SEC West. How about Georgia? They handle Florida 34 to seven. I'm not going to spend too much time on the Georgia defense other than business as usual because it speaks for itself. Dan Lanning and, and Kirby Smart and, and Will Muschamp on that and that whole defensive staff on that side of the ball, they don't need me to speak for this defense. It speaks for itself. But what I do want to say is that I was pretty shocked that JT Daniels didn't play in this game. And all I can figure is that he's not fully healthy yet because I think Stetson Bennett can win you the rest of your regular season games, but but if I'm looking past that to an SEC championship game against maybe an Alabama or or perhaps an Ohio State 
in the playoff that has the talent offensively to stretch the field vertically on you like they do with those three receivers and you know Lavi and and Wilson and and then Jigba on the outside. You no, know, you're gonna need JT Daniels to be healthy and playing quarterback in those games. I think to win the national championship if you get into the playoff. And if you need any evidence, if you need any evidence of what I'm talking about, just look at last year. It's kind of the exact same quarterback situation that Georgia finds themselves in. Now we may see a little bit of this a play out when Georgia plays Tennessee in a couple of weeks because that offense is extremely capable of challenging Georgia in the secondary. Georgia could need to score some points in that one. So definitely looking forward to seeing that matchup. Uh, in a couple weeks and and what Georgia does with the quarterback situation if they need to score, if they do find themselves in a situation where they need to match Tennessee on the scoreboard, it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not Kirby Smart goes with, continues to go with Stetson Bennett or, or kind of flips the script and goes with JT Daniels because I think that's going to be really telling of what his uh, playoff and SEC championship game and college football playoff mindset could be and Stetson Bennett's made some great plays this year but he also makes some of those plays that just makes you scratch your head like that interception he threw the other day against Florida don't really know what he was looking at there and just don't think he's capable of winning you a national championship making plays Uh, he does have the ability to run he does provide more in the running department than than JT Daniels does but but JT Daniels is just is just going to be that guy uh, when it comes down to it uh, in the in an SEC championship game in the college football playoff that's going to be capable of winning you a national championship if it comes down to it where you have to score a lot of points uh, in those games. So you know that a lot of talk about the game, but the aftermath of this game is what's produced the most fireworks. You had Kirby, Kirby Smart, much like Dan Mullen did last year after this game. Discusses the discuss the success that they've had in recruiting. And Kirby Smart kind of put Dan Mullen on blast after this game on Saturday because they have because he said that they have better players and they're always recruiting. And it says that it doesn't matter how well you can coach if you don't have good players. And so Dan Mullen kind of had the opportunity to respond to this uh, on Monday as a great friend of the show, Dave Waters of greatest of uh, Gators breakdown does a tremendous job over there. Go check him out. That's Dave waters of Gators breakdown. If you're not, if you're not following him, if you're not watching and listening to Gators breakdown, if you're a Florida fan, you're really missing out. If you're a college football fan and want to know specifically about the Gators hop on over and and give Dave waters a a watch and a listen, because you won't be disappointed. And so he asked Dan Mullen on Monday after this game about recruiting, and I know there's a lot of Florida fans out there that are appalled by the answer that he gave, and I, I'm just paraphrasing the answer, but but what he was essentially saying was, we'll talk about recruiting during recruiting season, which means after the season's over, I'm guessing, and we're worried about the season right now. And, you know, I know that a lot of people out there know, but this doesn't mean that Dan Mullen doesn't recruit. Even though Florida fans, I totally get your frustration on that because Dan Mullen is certainly not known 
as a recruiter, but we know him a lot more as a game day, scheme it up type coach. And the, the fact that the performance on the field has just been so inconsistent this year, the all the the recruiting aftermath, all the, the stuff about not being a good recruiter, not having the right players, it, that just kind of piles up. That just kind of gets added to the pile, especially with the inconsistencies that Florida's had on the field this year in their losses because we're used to seeing Dan Mullen really be able to be a game day, more of a game day type coach, a game day scheme it up type coach, game management, and he, he hadn't really done that. Uh, this year, especially in their four losses, is you know one of the main reasons why they're sitting at four and four right now. And I do expect there to be changes to the staff, especially Ty Grantham at the end of the year, much like everyone else does. But you know there is some bright spots ahead if you if you do win your last four and you can build Anthony Richardson from the fu- for the future, assuming he's healthy heading into this week against South Carolina. If he's healthy and then the last four. You know, you're you're going to be able to to start building a little bit moment a little bit of momentum if he is as advertised if his ceiling is as high as we think it is, and so brighter days are are certainly ahead off of Florida. I know it's it's difficult to to see it right now, but you know, I think the the staff changes are coming. Uh, Dan Mullen's certainly probably not going anywhere, but def- especially. Ty Grantham, he's he's probably going to be gone, and and some staff changes are coming. And if you're if you're you know just looking for positives, if you can get Anthony Richardson some quality experience in these last four SEC games, and it's gonna it's gonna make you feel a little bit better about things uh, heading into next year, uh, I believe. But no, I know it's it's tough to see it right now if you're a Florida fan, but definitely. If a couple of those things happen, if a couple of those, those things fall into place, brighter days are certainly ahead. But to drive around the rest of the SEC now, there was only two more games in the SEC uh, that we can discuss, and that's Will Rogers setting a record for a 92% completion percentage. Mississippi State beats Kentucky 31-17. to Back-to-back losses now for Kentucky. And huge win. Uh, at home for Mike Leach, a huge offensive performance. The defense played great as well against the Kentucky offense that re- was really starting to to play well. Now, I know they they didn't look great against Georgia, but they did some really good things uh, against Georgia. So hats off to that Mississippi State defense, and and hats off to to Will Rogers. He was a crunch time player this week, and hats off to Mike Leach as well on an incredible win and. He definitely didn't eat any candy corn uh, to celebrate uh, that win on Saturday. I do know that uh, just from just from his interview a couple weeks ago on Halloween candy. But elsewhere in the SEC, there was one more game to touch on, and that's Missouri beating Vanderbilt 37-28. to I know there's probably a lot of South Carolina fans watching or listening to this that are interested to see how the Gamecocks look on offense this week uh, against Florida because if it is improved – with probably Jason Brown at quarterback, then Missouri could be a winnable game uh, for the Gamecocks still needing two wins for bowl eligibility in Shane Beamer's first season in Columbia. If the offense shows even the slightest bit of improvement and can do it consistently over these next couple weeks, I think South Carolina has a really good chance to 
to go on the road and beat Missouri next week. Still trying to find those last two wins for bowl eligibility. Uh, if you're Shane Beamer, because certainly will, even though things look bleak at the moment and it seems that the momentum uh, has stalled out uh, for Shane Beamer and, and South Carolina, especially you know on the recruiting trail with the way the offense is, definitely gives you some reason for optimism there as well. But still think that, and I still think that even if the offense shows uh, just a little bit of improvement, I still think the changes need to be made uh, on offense next year for the Gamecocks. But kind of going around now, the rest of college football, some more uh, week nine takeaways. Cincinnati is able to hold, hold off Tulane, a 31-12. They're certainly going to stay in the playoff conversation if they keep winning. Now, I've still got them penciled in right now into the college football playoff, but they they can be a race depending on what happens with the rest of the country. You know, if Ohio State goes undefeated the rest of the way, if Oklahoma goes undefeated the rest of the way. You know, personally, when whenever Spencer Rattler was at quarterback for Oklahoma, I was actually thinking that that Cincinnati could probably beat uh, Oklahoma on a neutral field when if they were to play tomorrow. But with Caleb Williams at quarterback now, that offense a quick in the way it is. And if Oklahoma can get a couple of those pieces back uh, in the secondary, they probably have to go back in favor Oklahoma against Cincinnati. So that's why I got them. That's why I got them penciled in right now. Not sure that Ohio State is going to win the rest of their games. Not sure if Oklahoma is going to win the rest of their games. But if Cincinnati does keep taking care of business, they're certainly going to be in that conversation come selection Sunday after those conference championship games. But Elsewhere, did you know that Miami's win over Pitt, which was an incredible win, Miami goes on the road, knocks off Pitt 38-34 on Saturday, that Miami now controls their own destiny in the ACC Coastal. And that we could be on the way to a Wake Forest and Miami uh, ACC Championship game. We'll find that out over the next couple weeks. But Manny Diaz, it seems like seems like the next time he loses a game, he's probably going to get fired and, now he just keeps winning. And Tyler Van Dyke is new quarterback at Miami since Derek King got hurt. And, and what a what a couple weeks that Tyler Van Dyke's had. He's a crunch time player this week as well. I know I'm, I'm giving away all the crunch time players before we get to the end, but you got to wait till we uh, get to the end to find out the last couple. I know I mentioned uh, two or three already, but have to mention Clemson to wrap it up throughout the rest of college football and their 30-20 to 20 win over Florida State, which is significant because, number one, it's the first time that Clemson scored over 20 points against an FBS opponent this season. And number two, that, that touchdown by at the end by Clemson on the, on the lateral by Florida State, and uh, that broke a lot of hearts uh, that were in the, the Florida State plus nine or, or plus nine and a half camps. So thoughts and prayers to everyone still recovering from that today and, and the wallets. Uh, still recovering from that today. But the final thing that we want to do is is tell you who our crunch time players are for this week. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the graphic up. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast feed, make sure you're following on social media at Plays Crunch, and you can go ahead and see uh, the graphic as well that for this week. Tyler Van Dyke, as I mentioned, he is the Miami quarterback. He is a crunch time player. 
this week, led the Canes to that 38-34 win, just put up ridiculous numbers. Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback, he is the next crunch time player. 36 of 39, 92% completion percentage. What a performance by him. If Will Rogers is not playing quarterback for Mississippi State on Saturday night, they not sure they win that game. So Will Rogers made the plays in crunch time to win that game on Saturday night for Mississippi State. Zacoby McLean mentioned earlier, the linebacker from Auburn, mentioned our linebacker matchups in our crunch time preview last week. And Zacoby McLean put up, he was named the SEC co-defensive player of the week for this performance, led the team in tackles, had two tackles for loss, two sacks as well. So hats off to Zacoby McLean uh, for a great night against Matt Corral in that offense. And, and again, congrats to Auburn on that win. Kenneth Walker, five touchdowns. The Michigan State running back scored against Michigan on Saturday. The first time that anybody uh, has rushed for five touchdowns against Michigan. That, that also includes every uh, Ohio State player as well. So the first time that anybody has rushed for five touchdowns against Michigan was Kenneth Walker, the running back for Michigan State. He is firmly in the Heisman conversation, and he is one of our Week 9 crunch time players. And the final crunch time player for Week 9 is Clemson running back Will Shipley. He scored the game-winning touchdown for the Tigers. If it wasn't for Shipley in this game, I don't think the Tigers would have won it. And he scored the game-winning touchdown, had a lot of yards on the ground, and he just made the plays that were needed for Clemson to escape with that 30-20 to win over Florida State. So Will Shipley is the final crunch time player. And with that, that's going to wrap up our Week 9 crunch time recap in college football. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Bennett Ganey as always. Make sure that you are subscribed on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And make sure you're following on social media at Plays Crunch. And before we go, shout out to our partner, prizepicks.com. We were four for four. If you if you listen to the crunch time previews, if you watched them last week and went and signed up on prizepicks.com and Use the code Crunch Time Plays to automatically get that hundred percent off, automatically get that hundred percent deposit match to up to a hundred dollars on PrizePicks.com. And if you if you followed the picks that we gave out last week on the two Crunch Time preview shows, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ole Miss and Auburn, you hit on all four of those on PrizePicks.com. So I hope everybody enjoyed the free money. That's the first time that we've hit on all four uh, picks. So definitely definitely hope that we can continue that trend this week. And we'll certainly have those prize picks for you, uh, player props, as we dive into our crunch time previews for week 10. Some exciting matchups coming up. So looking forward to the rest of the week. Looking forward to giving you our week 10 crunch time previews. Got a couple guests coming up this week as well to help us preview a couple of these big games. Uh, Auburn and Texas A&M is going to be a big one. Top 15 matchup in the SEC. That one comes to mind. So hope everybody has a great start to the week. And make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And make sure you're following on social media 
at Plays Crunch. And hope everybody has a great start to the week. And God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Crunch Time Plays with your host, Bennett Ganey. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow at Plays Crunch on Twitter and Instagram.